welcome to Examining Five Days at Memorial. I am Giandra LaBeouf, a member of the Hollywood Critics Association, and I am joined by my fellow members, Ryan Rojas and Lupe Haas, and we're going to have an in-depth discussion about the Apple TV Plus series that covers a very specific moment in our American history. But before we do all that, let me introduce you to our colleagues. How are you doing tonight, Ryan? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about this show, this very impactful, important show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how about you, Lupe? How are you doing? Likewise, it's a very important show, but also uh, the storytelling behind it. I find it very fascinating. They do such a really, really good job. So I'm excited to talk about it. Just so that you know, this is a spoiler filled conversation. So if you haven't seen the episode already, I suggest you go back to Apple TV Plus and watch the first three episodes, which we'll be discussing tonight. If you'd like to have us answer questions about the show that you may have, please make sure that you email shows at Hollywood Critics Association association.com and we'll be able to answer some of your questions but this is a very very ugly time in American history a complete failure by the American government as you know uh, the show is based on the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Sherry Fink's novel Five Days at Memorial which chronicles Hurricane Katrina in the aftermath at Memorial Hospital in New Orleans which was nearly the epicenter of all the events that were taking place um At the conclusion of the show, if you've missed it tonight and you want to listen to it back, it's available on all your podcast platforms so you can revisit discussion again ahead of the next episodes in our next in our next discussion. But let's begin with episode one, which is appropriately titled Day One. Day One at Ground Zero is laying a tremendous foundation of this this harsh moment that people seem to be a little bit apathetic about. I've called it, even though the episode is officially called day one, we're giving it the subtitle. It's not that serious. Like many people, if you're used to what's happening in your town, natural disasters and things are pretty commonplace. Like for us here in California, we are used to earthquakes and down in the South and hurricanes and all these different things that take place. But in this case, everyone seemed to not be that concerned that it was a category five hurricane raining down on their city. What were your Mm -hmm. thoughts for episode one? Well, I definitely was, um, it brought me back to that time when I was just seeing this for the first time on the news, um, seeing this on the broadcast. Hurricane Katrina happened in 2005. So it brought me back to that time and remembering what those visuals were like. The show starts with uh, news media footage and stuff. So it, it does a great job of putting you right back there. Um, And we haven't seen those visuals for a long time. It does it with a very immersive sort of look, too. Um, So it was it was tough to watch because it brings you back to that really tough time in American history. Um, But it's it's also just very impactful how they do it with the news media, uh, that old sort of footage. Um, But it was uh, it was tough. But I was excited to see what that that story was going to be ahead of me. Absolutely. You know, we uh, don't have a lot of these in-depth discussions about Hurricane Katrina. We've seen the aftermath and the events that we know that took place. But do you remember, Lupe, where you were when the hurricane landed, when the the news story started breaking out of New Orleans and that this Category 5 hurricane was descending upon the city? What do you you remember about that time and, and what resonated with you most about this first episode, this gateway into the story? I remember the warnings because it was on the news, you know, Category 5 is going to be like the storm of the century. And so, you know, you know, with weather people, you always say, yeah, 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 they're probably just overselling it. But then when you saw the news footage the day after, or even when it was raining, it was horrifying to see. But this show, they take you to the ground level. You know, people in boats, people in the hospital, 
they're sweating, you know, because there's no air conditioning when the power goes out. So you're there with them. And so it's even more horrific watching it, you know, on a personal level, Mm -hmm. because you're kind of taken aback when you're on, you know, when it's on the news, you feel for people, you see them standing, you know, waiting on the rooftops for help. I mean, that's, that's pretty, you know, um, emotional, you know, but this puts you in the ground level and the way the show sets it up, it's like, it's like a mystery, mm-hmm. you know, something bad really has something, something bad happened, but you don't know what. So they're setting it up like a mystery and they're going to take you back to the events of that day. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get like the full story and you're going to, you know, as a viewer, you're going to stick around. Absolutely. To find out what's going on, which is what, which was another reason why it was so impactful mm-hmm. because of the way they set it up mm-hmm. and versus just preaching at us, you know, just saying like, this is how bad it was. Mm-hmm. You know, they set it up really well. I'm glad, I'm glad that you mentioned that because like you said, the images that we see that came out of Hurricane Katrina were people who were on the roofs, waving towels, looking for help, right. water already raising feet by feet by feet. But this particular instance, it, it escaped the worldwide media's gauge. We have the opening shot and we see all these bodies on the floor and a hazmat team is moving in with their clothing on. So the natural instinct is to think, okay, these are people who didn't make it. Maybe they got trapped. Maybe they got drowned. But when they start to reveal what the people look like on the floor, they're pretty much still intact. So it's kind of confusing. Like these people don't look waterlogged or that they've been submerged for, for any long amount of time. So when you saw, what was your initial thoughts when you saw just multiple bodies covered over, almost laid peacefully, like they were sleeping there in the right. hospital. Yeah. So we didn't see that really in the news as far as being so front and center. But what the show does a great job of is presenting it so, I'd say, cinematically in the way that it, it makes it so um, so big that it that you can understand the story differently. And it's kind of what you were saying, Lupe. It's you don't really know what's happening in the beginning. It starts off with uh, the flashback of, though something had happened here. Obviously, we know it was Hurricane Katrina, um, but we don't know what the actual fallout was. Just to see that room full of, you know, the bodies with uh, sheets over them, It's it definitely... It, it sets the tone for, I think, the episode and the series very well because it's going to say, hey, this is going to be, uh, we're not going to shy away from really dramatic and horrific stuff. It kind of reminded me about, um, you know, other movies and shows like Titanic or mm-hmm. something like even Chernobyl uh, in the way that these were real life events um, that we haven't seen really before or that we're seeing in a different way. Um, just to see that opening shot and then getting into the story uh, was was uh, a lot. Yeah, and in addition to that, you're talking about, you know, you mentioned how it's the government failure, yes, but also the failure on part of the corporation running the hospital. They didn't have an evacuation mm-hmm. in place. Wild. I mean, and, didn't and know the that. engineer, yeah. it's like the mm-hmm. Jaw movie, Jaws movie. You have the engineer telling you, I told you the last hurricane, we don't have plans for a major hurricane. And you're thinking, wow, it went it went from, you know, top level to the bottom level where the corporation didn't bother, you know, making sure that if this happened, that there was a plan in place. She's, you know, Susan, who's played by was Sher- Sherry Jones. Sherry Jones. Great Sherry actress. Jones, yep. She's going through a manual and there's nothing for an That was wild. An actual <laughs> binder, you know. Exactly. It's not even digital. This is back in 2005, of course. You know, we have the internet at that time, but she gets out the binder when she realizes that there's this big storm coming and trying to realize what is the protocol for uh, a hurricane, and especially being in Louisiana, it blew my mind to realize that that wasn't uh, <laughs> exactly. really prepared for. Exactly. If any place needs one, you know, but that was the tragedy. 
Yeah, I mean, why? It wasn't the first tab. It could have been the first tab. This is something I bet if we went to a hospital here in Los Angeles where we live, where we experience earthquakes, the first tab is probably what to do when there's an earthquake. Yep. How do you evacuate people? How do you get them to safety? But even with that, knowing that this is part of their day-to-day life, it's still, there's no sense of urgency from anyone in the show. Everyone's just looking out the window and, oh yeah, the herds came coming. It's raining hard. It's looking a little hard, raining out there. No one's thinking about a power outage. You have patients who are attached to machines. You have babies in the NICU. There are a lot of things and there's still a real passive attitude to what's happening during this occurrence. Uh, The episodes were written by Carlton Cuse and John Ridley and also directed by them too, along with Wendy Stansler and the job that they're doing to conveying this, this apathy towards a, a, a storm and business as usual until the storm starts to roar and the storm starts to roar and still Everyone's just going about business as usual. When did the fear, when did it start to really invoke the fear in you? Because they have this really effective use of visuals with the flashbacks, people's PTSD from the events. We see the the beginning of the show begins with the bang with the, the bodies on the floor. But it invoked a, a feeling of dread for me immediately, not just because we know what happens with Hurricane Katrina, but the visuals themselves, the water rushing in, the news stories. I felt that dread immediately. When did it sink in for you? Well, when we see the bodies and then... You see investigators, but you don't see their faces. You just hear him mm-hmm. speaking to doc. And every show opens this way. They're talking to a person in the hospital. And they're talking to this man. And you're thinking, is something sinister going on here? Because now they're, you know, like you, like Ryan said, you think they're victims of the hurricane. Mm-hmm. But the investigators are leading, leading us into believe that there's something more sinister going on here. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say it's a mystery. Because you're like, oh, okay, they're not possible victims of the hurricane. So that's when you start dreading like, oh my God, what happened in this hospital? That's these investigators are now interrogating, not interrogating, but they're interviewing doctors and the staff of the hospital. Yeah. You think that it's only just about the hurricane or that right. like that might just be the, the most, uh, the biggest perception about this event, but you soon realize, and we're talking about the first three episodes that to what you're saying, Lupe, yeah, that there that's is, the dread is another like, story happened? here. People like, don't know this. Cause we all know what happens in a hurricane, mm-hmm. you know, you lose power, we get the patient stories, but the fact that there's something sinister going on here, and it's interesting that they don't show the investigators. Mm-hmm. They don't show mm-hmm. them, right? You're, and you're, and you're yeah, wondering, like, the POV is, is from yeah, just their shoulder or something. Over the shoulder so shot. We don't know who they are. They've yet yeah. to be revealed. And you see a face in the beginning, and it looks the person looks familiar, actor, but I don't know who they. So it's very mysterious. So it's like you're getting a two, you know, you're getting a mystery, but you're also getting the real events. And just like when you see the bodies, that's enough for me to be like, oh. What happened? Yeah, and it just That's intrigues that intrigues you mm-hmm. to find yeah. out what happened. I was going to also mention. I think we're talking about it too, but like the the shot of uh, the the very beginning shot, the one shot of them on the boat as they're going through uh, Louisiana. At that time, they're all on the boat, and Apple TV Plus is making this look. Uh, the the storm that eventually happens. I mean, to see it depicted in this way, this is just, it looks huge. It mm-hmm. looks like a huge spectacle um, and so immersive. And I was totally, I felt like I was, you know, as much in the storm as anyone could ever think to be. Uh, so it really, it puts you there. Frame one, yeah, you get yeah. the sense of like, oh, these people are on boats. They're, they're passing a house. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just to interject just a little history of actual factual things from Louisiana at that time. Category five, for those of you who are unfamiliar with hurricanes, a category five hurricane is the the strongest that they measure that the weather system measures. And typically when there's a hurricane, even a three, even level three, say, which is a strong hurricane, but mild, there's immediately an evacuation order for people to leave the city. Um, this is a very deeply personal series that I found a lot of connection to. Both of my parents are from Louisiana. I was just in Louisiana recently for the Essence Festival. And what's very unique about Louisiana, for one, the city is built under sea level. So there are parts of the state where you can go and you can watch steamships pass in front of you above your head, whether you're close to the Mississippi River levee or the Lake Pontchartrain levee. So there's that. The city of New Orleans is shaped like a bowl. So anytime it storms, the rain comes and it gathers. And the deeper you are in the city, that's where the deeper where the bowl is. And it was very telling that at that time that Mayor Ray Nagin, who was a mayor at that time in Louisiana, he did not issue any evacuation order. It was a voluntary order. Usually when there's something of that severity and they have enough time, they tell you, get out of Dodge. Because there's really only one way you can get out. They flip the roads around so traffic cannot come into the city. All traffic must leave out of the city because they want you out to safety and to get to higher ground. But at this time, it wasn't. No one was taking this seriously from not just the hospital, just from the government since, you know, if you want to evacuate, cool. If you want to hunker down, cool. You know, it's not that bad. We're New Orleans tough. We can make our way through it. And in this first episode, we start to get in touch with all of the people who are going to be trapped in this hospital. They're joking through it. They're kind of laughing through it. You mentioned the Louisiana toughness. And I think that that's such like that spirit runs throughout at least the first three episodes for sure. I love uh, Cherry Jones, who's like the incident commander, as you said, like her line, she says, it's the wasp that you're not paying attention to that stings you. Mm-hmm. And so she is she's such a presence of. Uh, strength, I would say, just her demeanor throughout the whole for these first three episodes is there's so much that has that has to go on her shoulders, and she is assessing it minute by minute. But the strength that she conveys, even though she that I would have expected that there would have been you know a plan in place, tragically there wasn't one, but that she is able to uh, put this plan together with the other people around her. Vera Farmiga also stars in the show, uh, Dr. Anna Poe as well. To see that strength come from these people is is riveting to watch for sure. And then just to see that that strength is by what I noticed as well is like all of these, a lot of these people in the hospital and the medical teams, mostly women who are kind of leading mm-hmm. through the charge. And, and sometimes they're having to tell, you know, the men like what they need to do or like how we are going to all find a way forward. And I, I appreciated that too, to see that, uh, that the story being told from, you know, these strong women. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you mentioned that it is, that is a very good pointed uh, discussion topic in that, Women are the head of the hospital. In the South, there's always a stereotype that, Mm -hmm. you know, men lead everything. But all these men had real deference um, to the administrator, who is a woman, and to also uh, Vera Formiga's character. And very, I don't know, would you, what would you call it? Was it respectful or was it just passing the buck? Did they Um, really have deference? Well, I think because of her calmness, Mm -hmm. I think they were, felt comfortable 
of her taking the reins because you can see them panicking the men were panicking like mm-hmm. i don't know what to do i don't know what to do and yeah. then she was saying a very charged. calm voice like we're not doing that she's like okay uh, listen to her listen to susan you actually one of the doctors like listen to susan mm-hmm. you know because she has a calm demeanor and the other guys you see them sweating they're drenched yes. here right yep. <laughs> we thought there was a funny imagery that she, i mean she's sweating too but she's not drenched like they are because she's has she's glistening, but she she mm-hmm. does have a breakdown later with her mom, who she has with her in her office, mm-hmm. because you know she's trying to keep it cool in front of everybody because that's her job. Mm-hmm. But when she's alone, she's and you can totally understand her because you feel for her. She's trying her best. She doesn't have the resources, you know, and she has an assistant who she's telling contact the corporation. She thinks the corporation who owns the hospital will be there to help them. And I guess well that'll lead us to the second episode where we see a little more of what's not happening. Yeah, you know what was interesting, or at least what I found was interesting while I was watching it, was that the first episode, we, we get to see the actual hurricane come, and then that leads into the second episode where there's just the aftermath. I thought that the hurricane was what devastated uh, yeah. Louisiana. Yeah, all one day, right? That, that was the thing that we right? had in our heads. Yeah, I thought that it was just the storm that ravaged. So as far as the, the pacing of the story, when they got to that point, I thought that that was going to be the whole series, was they were going to be battening down the hatches for eight episodes, but we've all watched episode two. The next episode that comes, it's it's a sunny day again. People are back outside. They were happy. They were living their life again. And then at that point, I was like, well, is there going to be another storm coming per se? But then I learned or, yeah, I, I just saw that it was the, the next, the thing that it was actually the devastation was the levee breaking. And so realizing, oh, there's a whole nother side to this story, at least that I wasn't as familiar with to see that. And it's such a slow pace too, because as the, as the water is just moving very slowly through mm-hmm. the streets, it's not, you know, this big blockbuster Tsunami. action style, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, end of days sort of thing in that way. But it's, it's just a slow moving water that is, uh, it was really well paced, I, I thought, to build the suspense. Mm-hmm. So we move into episode two and everyone is still struggling to see who's in charge. Everyone asked that. There's so that question's asked so many times. Uh, well, there should have been. There's an evac- should be an evacuation plan. I mean, I'm just shocked that a hospital of that size and they're sheltering people. So people have come to the hospital to be That's sheltered, right. not just patients. And we didn't explain it, but in the first episode, they explain it's two hospitals. Mm-hmm. So you have the day to day hospital, and then you have a long term facility for sick patients, mm-hmm. uh, elderly, mostly elderly. Mm-hmm. So, and then you have on top of that, you have, I think they mentioned like 1,200 people sheltering there from the storm. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of people uh, that they're responsible for. Um, And yeah, I'm just, I'm bought my mind. It's my mind is boggled that they did not have an evacuation plan. And then the corporation who's in charge, the company who's in charge of them, Mm -hmm. just say like, oh, get to let the military handle it. Exactly. You know, that's, that was even, even more of a shock. Um, And that's getting into episode two where we meet a corporate guy who feels responsible and he takes it upon himself, but he's not getting any help. So he's on the phone personally calling National Guard. And, and you think, oh, he's going to be their savior. But then the boss tells him, nope, you, don't, you can't use our resources. He's, he's about still to send, limited to. He's about he's to send trying. the company helicopters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to pick up patients. And the boss says, no, we can't use any company resources. It's the Coast Guard. Resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to mm-hmm. call the, co- the Coast Guard. And you mentioned the measuring stick. That is a great device. Mm-hmm. That's like the ticking time bomb. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Visually. You it, visually. Mm-hmm. You, it's you, a character keep, in its own. You see it mm-hmm. rising and yeah. rising and you feel the dread coming and you're like, oh, wow. I like the importance of water, not just the water that's mm-hmm. trying to breach them, but just the water that they're consuming in the hospital. Oh, that's Like yeah, that's they good. show some really interesting shots of, of, of bottles of water, just empty. Everyone's just drinking plenty of water, plenty of water. Just drink water. It's hot. Everyone drink lots of water. But then you pan to the patient rooms where the patients are being cared for and they're being touched carefully with just sponges of water. Little teaspoons, just little touches of water. And the way the water acts as its own character, its dread, its safety, its life. The body is made from water. We can live seven days without food, but we can only live, what, two days? Without water or, or less, day without water. Yeah, and just the way yeah, they're showing. that's a great showing... connection. I didn't, I didn't make that connection. I like it. Yeah, I think I... they're relying on it, but at the same yeah, you time, see the it's going to kill mounds of empty bottles. And, and uh, one of the nurses throws a bottle with this much water. It got me, I was like oh, upset. Yeah. Like, <gasps> She's a little stressed, but still, yeah. Still, you're throwing away, <laughs> yeah, it's you know, precious. much water in the bottle, and, you, and she just threw it away. Like, if only in you. You're not going to, like, as a viewer, you're like, what? They're not thinking clearly because they're going to need that water. Like water is an essential it's item. Key. You know, like it's key. And Dr. Poe says, you know, don't give it all the water to the patient. Like conserve, you know. The levees actually break. And that scene is phenomenal. I don't know if it's CGI or witchcraft or how they made this scene. <laughs> sure. All I know is they show the scene. The water comes flooding in and I nearly had a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Just watching it. Forgive me. Uh, forgive me. I cannot swim. I know that's terrible. Everyone probably should know how to swim, but I'm sure there are other people who are watching. Not great. I'm not great. <laughs> exactly. And to see that water flood in, it mm. scared me so much. I mean, nobody can, even the uh, just Olympic <laughs> swimmer can yeah. get, I mean, when you have debris. It's and, just a force I mean, of nature. You yeah. can't fight that. It was just astounding the way, and kudos to Apple TV Plus for giving them the opportunity to create this content, to see this this water flooding. And, and that's when I think, even at the hospital, they don't know yet. Yeah, to that point, I think the communication is what is also so interesting that there's the communications down they don't know who is in charge and i think that that's symbolized through the show to what you were just about to say Mm -hmm. is the rumors that are starting within the halls of the hospital and i think that that's supposed to signify at a larger sense how come people didn't know what was happening um it's because they couldn't they had no one to talk to they didn't know where the lines were coming so yeah the the rumors i felt like defined episode two on a very micro scale but then also painted the picture about no one knows what's happening Mm -hmm. It was almost kind of high schoolish. It started with, you know, things are happening out there. You guys just be careful. And then the next person it gets to, oh, someone got attacked. And then the next instance, someone got raped. Someone got mm-hmm. raped. And then, then it was gang raped. And someone got gang raped. And so when you watch that, how the th- that essentially is how the communication takes place throughout the whole series when they're in, in, immersed in this natural disaster. So your rea- how did you react to seeing them playing the telephone game? Well, playing the telephone game, but also part of the rumor is how, you know, they're talking about looting and they're talking about like, why do you care about that? You have more serious things going on in the hospital. Like you have seriously ill patients, little preemie babies, and, but they're worried about the outside. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you shouldn't be worried about the outside. Like it's in the distance. You you hear gunshots, which is, you know, it's a scary thing to hear, Mm -hmm. but even more scary is that you have people who are relying on, on people Mm -hmm. to keep them safe. Not only that, the city is shut down. Mm-hmm. 
All mm. these people, because their mayor didn't invoke a, a an evacuation order, what are people supposed to do? Well, you know, they don't, they don't really, I'm hoping they're going to um, discuss this in the later episodes. The first three episodes, they don't really talk about why did they not evacuate when it was declared a level five? That's right. Why were they not evacuated? Mm. They don't explain that in the show. And mm. you're, as a viewer, you're asking yourself, why did they even get to that? Why did the mayor not make a mandatory evacuation order for the highest right level but you don't even know like why have. you don't know anything about any kind of order mm -hmm. yeah i think that the so, closest you get to is like the discharge that's happening mm -hmm. in episode two where they're talking about discharging patients um which ones those are going to be so then the rumors start circulating again amongst all of the patients or all of the just yeah. the people who are sheltering there about am i going to be discharged and if i am then where am i going to go back to my house doesn't have power or this and that so the safety uh element there it's there that's another thing that's weighing on um cherry jones's character susan Mulderick as mm -hmm. the incident commander she also now has to be responsible for who do i discharge and that as far as the morality that comes into play which was also i feel like that was also uh just very representative of episode two making these moral decisions that are so impossible to make uh you know who do i discharge who do i you know, in episode three, we start to see like, you know, who needs to be saved and this and that. And so watching the show, I was in my mind thinking like, my gosh, like, what would I do in this situation? It's an impossible situation. Um, but to see it acted out this way, it's fascinating. And it's mm -hmm. funny because usually in, like in the movie or TV show, you have a hero. Mm -hmm. like the hero is mm -hmm. going to take care of it. You have none here. Zero. Zero heroes. Mm -hmm. You know, just uh, the, the we as we mentioned the communication is terrible. Even when the decorated officials tell them you have four hours, the water is. We have seen. They it. said fifteen feet of water is coming. It's mm -hmm. coming. We've mm -hmm. seen That's you go, <gasps> it. I mean, and still, and the, the stick already says four feet. And still, the mm -hmm. administrator is like. I don't, mm -mm. I'm not listening to any rumors. Right. She'd it's already heard rumors. the earlier rumors and that sets her up to not even trust maybe the Coast Guard who has this new information that's going to, yeah, like put her in a different situation. Mm -hmm. So then we fast forward to now um, in Louisiana, there's a, some major corporations. In this case, it's Tenet. It's a parent company who owns this uh, Memorial Hospital and their corporate office is in Texas. And we have a flash of what the corporate side of this uh, problem looks like where they say, um, you know, the sales team and they're looking at this. It's always about money and capitalism. So they're away on their perch in Dallas and they're thinking, hmm, this might be good for business. Yeah, they're, that they're line killed that me. That was tough. That line. You know, people are, you choke people that are dying. Guy. People uh -huh. are, cho you know, people are could potentially drown. It's good drown, for business. But yeah. it's great good for, for business. business. What are the and, numbers he's asking this guy who's going to try to help mm -hmm. the hospital? And they don't equip him with any, you know, he's a, honestly, it really isn't his purview. No, he's, he's a, a director of like, yeah, sales. Yeah. Business, sales business development. Business development, right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But he's a human being and he has a heart. And all these other people are clearly heartless because they're like, oh, you know, look at that. It's so terrible. Not our problem. It, it, mm -hmm. it reminds me of when we see instances on TV of looting, which is also at play here because mm -hmm. people have nothing because they're in the city. All the stores are closed. All the streets are flooded. People have babies. You need water. People have seniors at home, medicine, all kinds of things, yeah, bandages, mm -hmm. because this is a dangerous situation with with wood and all these type of things flying around. But they're concerned about the wrong things. Exactly. These young people go out to a store. They break into the store. OK, we're not supporting crime and theft and all those type of things. But they're more concerned with how they acquired them instead of 
why is there no plan to get these people out the hospital? And at the end of the day, they went to get diapers. Right. They flipped and the water. script. I love that explanation, or I love those characters, you yeah, know, those the looters that they're doctor. saying, what are we grabbing? We're grabbing like essentials for my mom, for my friend. They said, they had a phrase, they said like soul survivors. Mm-hmm. At one point, that was why they were taking some of the items because it was like, we need to be, our soul needs to survive this too. And it's again, yeah, like what is the important thing here? Mm-hmm. Everyone has a moral high high ground for minuscule things they could mm-hmm. control, but no one has a bigger in-depth idea of how to save as a whole. And I think that's like indicative of a lot of things we see in society. Everyone points the finger at what their own morality thinks is wrong instead of maybe this whole machine is wrong. Maybe this whole thing is backwards and maybe we need to go out there because we just don't have enough here to sustain us even with the water that's currently existing, they're not even aware that the water, the big water is really, really coming. And it's going to come whether you can swim or not. 15 mm-hmm. feet of water is coming and people are going to drown. And it's just yeah. interesting. The character you say confronts these kids mm-hmm. is Dr. King played by um, Cornelius Smith Jr. Who's, who's a black, uh, black man. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, it's, he's taking the high ground, but he doesn't realize that they're making sense. Making complete sense because no one's in charge there. He was already upset that he was undermined by another administrator Junior. and who's he's carrying a gun. Carrying so. a gun. Right, a right. gun in a hospital. That was an interesting. So we're going to see how that plays out. Yeah. Open carrying in a hospital. That's a new one. Yeah. And exa- then what was fascinating, why did he even have one? I mean, they well, knew we don't there was going to. Yeah, we knew there was a hurricane coming, but if I know a hurricane's coming, I'm not bringing a loaded gun. Episode three, which I'm calling the real drama. So now... The water has breached the levees. The scene is horrific to watch the water crush through these levees that have already been depleted by this Category 5 hurricane that has stricken the city. They think they're on the other side of a natural disaster, but the real disaster is coming, a disaster that they've never had before. I think the last time New Orleans had a levee breach was early in the 1900s, and that's why they built the version of the levees that exist now in Louisiana. So now the water is coming, they're on the roof and they're watching it flood in and people, this is off scene, but people who will remember that era, the water's coming in, people are scouring to their roof, not to mention it's hot, it's humid. There's no air conditioning, there's no power because now the water has infiltrated the hospital, the generators are broken. No one can get any air conditioning, which means you're at risk of not having any food, which means you're at risk of not having any clean water because everyone's been drinking water like it's beer on spring break. And there's just nothing. And the resources are depleting quicker than they have. Let's talk about the acting before we get into the specifics. There are some very, very powerful performances that really touch me. Vera Farmiga, of course, that played Dr. Anna Poe. I felt the weight of her Every single scene, she took takes her job responsibilities very seriously, but she's kind and she truly is what epitomizes the goodness of a doctor. She really, truly wants to be helpful. She wants to be there for her family who has to stay behind. And, and she's really in a tough place and she has a, a tremendous sense of nobility when it comes to the practice. So how, how would you how would you rate 
Vera Farmiga's performance in the series. Sure. I mean, Vera Farmiga, she has that special ability to just communicate through her face, through just the emotions that she puts on. And she doesn't have to say even much. You just see the look in her eyes, the the trouble, the worrying, the panic that she can elicit. And I think that that's perfect for that character. And I think what's interesting about her character, Dr. Poe, is that in the first couple in the, in the first couple episodes, you start to see that the investigators who are also part of the show, they're starting to ask very pointed questions about her character to some of these people after the fact saying, what did you notice about Dr. Poe um, during this time? Did she seem to be all there? What was her mental state? And you don't really realize as an audience viewer what that really means. But as the episodes start to progress, you realize that this is really wearing on her and she's having to go through a lot. She is having to experience a lot like everyone else is, but it's affecting her in an interesting way. And I think we're going to see maybe why, or I I can only imagine what the next episodes are going to uh, have with her character. So specifically about why is she, why are they asking about her character? What is going to happen um, in the long run? So yeah, Vera Farmiga as that character was just adds so much to the show and a lot of suspense. I'm curious to see where we're going with her character. Whose performances uh, stood out for you so far in episode three and just throughout the series? Um, like I mentioned earlier, Cherry Jones. I mean, she just, I mean, every character she plays, she just puts so much emotion into it. Um, and she's a good person, but she just has no idea what to do. And I mean, she gives orders, she's strong, but you know, she's lost as well. And I think you really, really feel for her. I mean, I would not want to be in that position. She's, everyone's looking at her like, you, what do we do? Mm-hmm. You know, and great performance. Dr. You know, I mean, uh, Vera Formiga, who plays uh, Dr. Poe, I think she's really great. But you're starting, you know, like Ryan said, we're starting to wonder about her mm-hmm. because the investigators keep asking the witnesses or the staff about her. And episode three opens up with Dr. King. He's in the hot seat. They're asking him. Mm-hmm. And he says, nobody knew what was about to happen. And when they ask about Dr. Poe, he says, circumstances reveal who you are. And so you start to think, she might not be the sweetest person after all who cares for her patients. And then at the end of the episode, uh, a patient in a nursing facility, he's coding. And she calls, they call the doctors up and she just stands there. She's not helping. Right. So you're wondering what is going, what is with her character? What? Why is she not helping? She's frozen. And she's clearly emotional. So you're thinking maybe she had a parent who went through that. She lost a parent. And also in the show, I think you mentioned it, she has like flashbacks to like scenes in the in flood. Right, and right. Like, they do a lot of those quick cuts with in her, her so in So you're her mind. thinking, what is going on? Is, are they just going back and forth? Or is that a memory of hers? When she's looking out the window, so you're not sure, like what what it means. Watching them fall apart, it's almost like that scene they show of the, uh, the Superdome, and that's where I was at at Essence. That's where, and we watch the roof start to chip away, and the tiles start to chip away, and that's what's happening to the people in this episode. Just pieces of them are starting to fall apart, and mm. they just can't make it anymore. It's th- been three days. They're under the impression that there's some rescue efforts that are coming, and they've moved all these babies. There's no elevator, so they've had to carry these heavy. Anyone who's been to a ho- any type of hospital machinery, 
is tremendously heavy. It's heavy. It's on wheels. It's still heavy, but they have no elevators and they have to physically carry. They You're haven't the eaten. These people have mm-hmm. not eaten. They haven't had right. water. They haven't had any rest because it's hot. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. And they're still giving their all and they get to the roof and there's no relief. Yep. The helicopter's not there. They say there's nothing there to help. There's the help is not there. And that to me just chipped away at my heart the hardest you think your lifeline is there and you reach for it and it's gone when you saw that moment of them bringing the the babies to the roof because they wanted to evacuate them because you probably could evacuate more of them as they begin to kind of prioritize who needs to leave the hospital faster and the help is not there after all that labored effort of getting them there and now we have to give i mean if you watch the episode you know the visual you have to climb like a set of stairs that are janky Old, yeah, rusty, rusty and metal. And I'm good. thinking, who in the right mind will build a helicopter pad on top of stairs instead of being on <laughs> the roof where you can access an elevator? I mean, we've seen modern hospitals, the helicopter pad, you go over straight into an elevator. Yeah, more or less right on the Yeah, yeah on the but top. this helicopter pad has, has not been maintained. And so they have to climb, like, what is it, like five set of stairs? It looks like it. It looks like it's, it's just a like winding sort of thing, which adds suspense and drama for sure. But the, again, we're talking the miscommunication. Nobody, well, the corporate office, the person, Michael Alvin, I think is the character name, mm-hmm. who says we're going to send the, the corporate helicopters. Mm-hmm. And then they nix it, the bo- his boss. And, but nobody communicates that to the nurses in the, in the and, me, ICU. And at this point, it's still not a disaster. The city still hasn't declared a disaster. There's all these mutual aid authorities from other states. Uh, we have the gentleman who you just mentioned who works for Tenant, which is a parent company of Memorial, who he wants to help. He's been emailing with the hospital administrator's assistant, and she's begging and she's pleading with him, please help us. Please help us. Everyone wants to just refer it back to Louisiana. Let's just refer it back to the military. Let's continue yeah. to pass the buck. And she's begging. And he luckily has a heart and says, we're going to send help. And there's still no help. And no one wants to help him. He's almost directed He's doing not it all to help. Yeah. yeah, Not to help. And you, and in the midst on the auxiliary of this story is people are watching from other states, from Texas and Atlanta and other places who are willing to help. And they're being told, no, yeah, we don't need your help. There's a couple who has a mom um, in the care facility. Yes. And you know, the, her personal caretaker is telling them like, we have, we don't have no power. We have no water. So they decide uh, we're going to go help. And they go to a fire station. I don't know. Is it in Texas? I think they are still in Louisiana, but they're a not in ground. the city. They're probably like out in one of the little country yeah. towns, like where my family is. They, they go under the pretense that they're going to volunteer to help. Mm-hmm. And the fire department says, nobody's called us in. And they're like, what? There's people volunteered there. There's a group of people there, a large group who've gone to volunteer like they have, but nobody has called them in. And at the end of the episode three, they said, screw it. We're going to go. We got to go. Yeah. We got to go. And Let's the couple who have the mom in the out. hospital go along with them because uh, the wife, um, is a paramedic. Mm-hmm. So off they go and like nobody's calling. To, and even the help that they're promised is not sufficient. When the military arrives in the military, the difference, they in, they, the difference in personalities of the military, very brusque. They're cussing at the people. These people are in the most <laughs> traumatic experience and they're asking, what took you so fucking long? Why took yeah. you so long? 
Uh, we're kind of drowning they're the here. They're carrying the incubator with a baby. Upstairs. Yeah. Instead of going over there and helping Sorry, with the incubator. It's kind of a workout. Not yeah. to mention the one doctor who had to run all the way back. Yeah. All the way back down the stairs, back into the hospital, down those stairs, try well, get to the find orders. the doctor. Get the orders. And then yeah. find the administrator to figure out who are Who's we going to take first? That one person that they can take. One person. And then a military vehicle comes and they're promised that they could evacuate 30 35? people, 35 mm-hmm. people. And, and now they can only take mm-hmm. 15. They can only take 15. And now the water is rising and now like a second truck. And it's still yeah. rising. And they're can. watching it rise. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> My heart aches. This was just so personal to me. You know, just a little backstory. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, my family's from Louisiana. I got to watch this in real time. All of, I have tons of my family still lives there. And it's just heartbreaking to know that help could have could have been there. We were very fortunate that we didn't lose any family. A lot of homes were lost by our family, but we didn't lose any family members. We haven't even dug deep, as we know, at living in the C-word era, that just breathing on things. But now they've got murky water floating into mm. the city. There's you know, risk of dysentery and just all these things in the midst of a hospital and all of the prime help is coming from outside of the hospital instead of the people who've taken an oath to help people. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate talking and watching the show with both of you and I'm just excited to see where the episodes go and just, you know, I want to hear more about, you know, your personal experience. I think that that's what this show is going to do for so many people out there is to see uh, this either in a new way or just in a way that we can all look back on it and, uh, you know, kind of make sense of it and grieve together. So yeah, I said at the top, I think it's just a, an important show for people to watch and excited to see where the story goes. Mm-hmm. And final takeaways from you as episode comes, uh, episode three comes to a close and we're beginning to come to a close your takeaways after seeing that episode. Well, it's very powerful. Um, you know, everyone's looking for somebody to help them. And they just don't have the resources. So it's it's aggravating. I don't think people who went through this can actually watch this. Right. There's no, sure. just no way. I mean, as, as outsiders, me, Ryan, we weren't there. We, don't, yeah. we didn't have any family members. I mean, we can watch it. And it's and it's horrifying to watch it. And the way they end it, I was tempted to go see number four because we have all the episodes to watch. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I didn't because I did not want to know what's happening. That way I don't get confused and start talking about mm-hmm. spoilers of upcoming shows. But the last line um, ends with Dr. King again. They're, they're not interrogating him, they're, they're interviewing him. And he says, what happened next? I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop it. And the investigator says, you can't stop people from dying or being killed. Right. And then Kurt, and you're like, damn. So you can see how hard it was not to go to episode number four, but I said, no, oh, I can't because I got to... <sighs> I might go home tonight and watch it, though. But yeah. I know. I'm thinking the same thing, too. It's amazing to be able to interject this sense of mystery into a real-life event. And it's an amazing series. Again, salute to Apple TV+. And it's just been an honor to watch this and have the story told with such care and with such uh, modern touches. But the modern touches don't take away from the feeling, the emotion, the feeling, the dread, and the importance of this event in our history and how the Louisiana government failed its citizens. So I think that with that, we're going to come to a close on our first episode of examining five days at Memorial. 
Uh, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Hollywood Critics Association YouTube page and hit those post uh, notifications so that you know when this show and all of the other shows on the network are live. Uh, if Again, if you would like to ask questions to us that we can answer on the show, please email us at shows at HollywoodCriticsAssociation.com. We love the conversation. We want to keep the conversation going. We thank you for joining us. Please tune in next week. Uh, you've already seen episode one, two, and three. If you're watching this show, episode four, we'll be back with you to discuss that. And it's always an honor to be with you. I'm Giandra LaBeouf. Ryan Rojas. Lupe Haas. And we'll see you next week.